to the Food Coma Podcast, episode 12. Uh, today, we are fortunate enough to welcome Sean Wilkinson, who is the co-founder of Might and Main, uh, Intelligent Brand Smithery, trademark. I, it was funny, when I put that, I had typed that in just because I always do that, and it, it autocorrected to, to Brand Smithery, like, which I thought was really interesting, like, like artisanal brand, like yeah. Wilford Brimley with the Quaker Oats are good and they're good for you, but you're like the Might Main... The the hand tilled steel cut brand. That's my that's my backup plan. Yeah, it's yeah, good. A cereal, bespoke cereal. <laughs> Portland's ready, I think. Everything is bespoke. Um, I think that you and I are both the same in that we uh, have mutual disdain for the the label that pays us, which is Portland, Maine, mm. <laughs> and the you know because you kind of have to. It's like there's good things in Portland, but there's plenty of bad things too, and. I, I wouldn't say disdain. I love Portland. I love, mm-hmm. and I totally give Portland, I have to give Portland credit for what has, what might and Maine has become and what I have become in a long, and I, and I intend to be here for a long time, but I am increasingly recognizing Portland less and less in some things. But on the other hand, I, you know, I think it's just an, a, a strange evolution. It's always some growing pains. We're having growing pains. We are having Maybe growing that's pains. That's what it is. I don't think they're as. I think that we had more significant growing pains in 2012, for instance. Totally. Uh, because we didn't quite. It like went to grow really fast. I think now there's a little more uh, of a solid foundation, at least. Now it's puberty. It's that's right. This we're, is we're, puberty. It's Portland's yeah. puberty. These are the the formative years. <laughs> we're in the formative years. Yeah. Our calves are done stretching. Now hair is spreading. We're still trying to figure out what we are. <laughs> It's um, an awkward, awkward metaphor. It, it really is. Um, but yeah, 2012, that's that's when Eventide opened. That's when stuff really exploded, like restaurant wise. That was and that was when we exploded, like in terms of, you know, that was we did even that Eventide was our first restaurant client. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was just like, I think that crazy. To be, I mean, to be fair, I think that in 2012, you could say that while Eventide Oyster Co was exploding, I think that branding for restaurants outside of los angeles or new york city also totally. took off you didn't need to do it i mean we actually i mean like duck fat is a great example because duck fat was client number two mm-hmm. um they existed at that point i think for like six years they've been around for a little while they, i think they opened in like 2005 right so they had opened in 2005 and they didn't need sexy branding to get all the attention they already got even tied opened Rob and Nancy saw what Eventide was doing and said, like, oh, that's nice. We should do that, too. Mm-hmm. And then they and I think that was that did help the ball start rolling with like, oh, Portland needs to like we need to differentiate because we had never designed a restaurant before. They came Eventide, the guy Arlen and the and Michael and Andrew came to us and said, can you design us, you know, a logo and a website and stuff? And through that process, we realized like, oh, this is like. You know, it's like any other branding exercise. It's making a promise. It's telling somebody like, this is what you're going to get before you walk in the door. And suddenly when there's eight of those in a row, just on middle street. Yeah. That becomes more and more important. Right. So that was, that was where it started. I I know that you've expanded, uh, since into many other cities. We have to Portland hates us now. Well, (laughs) well, I was going to say, so in, in Portland, I mean, it's not your fault. That Portland's the size that it is and that you're as in demand as you are. Right. And it's like, I think a lot of restaurants maybe assume that they're more interesting than they actually are. And it's like, how do you, 
you're like, of course, we're going to start to have like a certain trademark look. I mean, right. that's how things work. That's how most things are. Like, right. there's a certain mark on something where something like, oh, my name did that. And that's not really, I mean, that's not a bad thing. In my opinion, right. it's not a bad thing. It's, I think it's a bad thing in a lot of people's opinion who who feel that they're a little more of a unicorn than, right. you know. Well, it's funny because I could show you I could show you a couple design firms that I will obviously will not name. But yeah, I think I think you refer to them as hipster doofuses, I think is a <laughs> is a term you like to use. I have I? I have. I'm I think sure you have. Yes. More than more than once. Yeah. Um that have a, a very clear trademark look and they do it for everybody. And it's and I in some ways I envy that. In other ways I really resent it because I do think that we work really hard to try to make each place look different. However, when you have like 45 of them in yeah. one city, people are going to start to notice like, oh, I think that might be by the same people. And I would never complain about it because what a fortunate place we've been into. Like, yeah, totally. Let's have man. let's let's open 45 restaurants in Maine. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually an accurate number, which is really it gets weirder every time I say it. It's interesting because I think that branding <clears throat> used to be kind of like. I feel like it used to be part of the experience of opening the restaurant. Right. Like designing your brand, you know, designing your menu. But it's like people, nobody wants to do that anymore. They just want to like, here, you deal with it. And we'll just get our sample menu done and deal with the other logistics. But I feel like the fun is like if I had a restaurant, I wouldn't hire anybody to do branding because I feel like if I was excited enough to actually go through the process of opening a restaurant, I would have it thought through right to a point. You know, well, the fun part for us though is to for you focus on the food and the the guest experience, but then you tell us what that's supposed to be. And we, the challenge and the fun part for us is to translate that into the perfect visual. Like, so how do we translate your vision into something that anybody else could translate immediately just by walking by? But yeah, it used to, I mean, when did, when did that, when did that Paul LeBrant with a, a matter of taste, when did that movie come out? It was like 2005-ish, matter of taste. It was like. Oh, oh, about that chef. Wait, yeah. What, what, the, the, one, the fancy boy chef who was doing lots of yeah, and he he was at the and he got he demoted to like a burger Neoport joint. Yes, places right? exactly. Yeah, and he was the one because you know I remember that that uh, documentary because he <laughs> used this phrase where he was being all lame about women. He's like, ugh. Believe I me, I'm not saying I like this guy. I can't seem to. I can't. You know, I can't seem to get a girlfriend. He's like, I always end up in the friend zone rather than the end zone. I'm like, oh boy, ew. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like because you say things like that, right? Uh, With his not quite British accent. It's not, it's not quite British. It's but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's British at all, is he? Uh, no. No. Um, maybe <laughs> that would probably let him get into the end zone more <laughs> if he were British. Uh, there's a there's a part in that documentary where somebody walks in for five seconds with like an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. It's like here's the logo, and I think Danny Myers there. He's like, yeah, good. It's no, it's Drew. Is it Drew Neoporin? Drew Neoporin. I think maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing two documentaries, but it's I was watching that and loving the documentary until the part where somebody walks up with like a piece of typewriter paper with a logo in the center is like, here's the logo. And, you know, the investors like make it bluer. It's like, sounds good. We'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. It's tough because I care more now. It's great. They do care more. I mean. Well, it's almost like now, I mean, I guess when I just said that I would probably not hire a branding person because I'd be doing my own, I'd also be weirdly self-conscious about that. Right, right. Because it's like, oh, 
<clears throat> mine's gonna look they're gonna know that i am an amateur at this and you know i need something and i think a lot of people are probably self-conscious about that and and you gotta spend some money it's not cheap to you know you get what you pay for right with good branding but that's a chunk of a budget you know i mean totally the, and yeah and on one hand we have a great quote from like you know mike from eventide saying like you know, somebody's starting a restaurant and they asked me where I should spend my last $20,000. 10 years ago, I would have said refrigeration. Now I would say branding. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's huge. A, that's an amazing quote. Yes. On the other hand, I see places like Drifter's Wife that for all intents and purposes do not have a brand per se. Um, I mean, they have a brand of a, a they have a personality, they have, they a, have a, a reputation, they have a thing, but they did not pay somebody to make a sexy logo interesting menus blah 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 and they don't need it so I, I it's an interesting thing i've been following seeing like yeah it would have been incredibly wasteful for i mean well, they started as a wine shop right this man lore and if, if a wine shop needs branding come on dude i mean it, you know really it's like <laughs> so i mean they, they built their reputation there and yeah. then it's like yeah you have 10 seats right why are you gonna spend you know you don't need to that. And they started small. And right. that way, when they got bigger, they already had the name. Of the very natural progression. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, everything they feels very minimalist and, yeah. you know, and they change up, they change things up a lot. And that's kind of the whole deal. Like it's, yeah. everything's very natural and rustic, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. So I, and I want to be clear that I don't resent them for it because it totally works. Obviously. I don't, I don't yeah. interpret this as but, a resenting yeah. at all. I think they're just a great example of, a, of someplace that does not need right. to hire a branding company. It's a fine line. <laughs> it is it yeah. is i mean but if they ever have an extra 20k <laughs> sure <laughs> well for their next spots i think right yeah, um, taking over the walk-in as the or maybe they'll take over the uh, happy wheels oh, uh yeah. you know because that's up for grabs now people um the community uh really rallied around uh really had a candlelight vigil for uh beloved roller rink uh happy wheels yep for one uh, that nobody two. had been to for probably the last 20 years but they really were really up in arms about the the gentrification and all the hipsters that closed the roller rink yeah um there's nothing like a place closing to make you care about it for a couple of days yeah yeah that really there's nothing like a place closing that'll prompt a facebook post and then you'll never think about them again i think that it's weird we, we, you and i were discussing earlier about like how Bowling alleys had the renaissance. They've they've got, they sort of. I mean, I guess they also had a movie. I think I think Big Lebowski had a big. Oh man, had a played a big part in the re, the renaissance. And of before bowling. that, the um, uh, what was the Woody Harrelson one? Kingpin. Yeah, Kingpin. Yeah, Kingpin. Absolutely. Because haven't was, been any good roller skating movies since no. the eighties, right? There was there was uh, Roller Girl, you know, with Dirk Diggler and. Yeah, the, but that's not a roller skating movie. Absolutely not. That, she that wasn't, was actually if she was at Happy Wheels, that would be different. That was what got me into porn, not roller skating. Right. Boogie Nights. That's a uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg, he makes so much caca that you forget that he can actually do some really good stuff. Yeah. Uh in the meantime. I mean, I hope you're not talking about Wahlburgers. Nope. <laughs> Sorry about but speaking of Happy Wheels, you know, speaking of hanging tough, that was a song that I would speaking of hanging routinely tough. roller skate to at Happy Wheels. Um, uh, I have a very vivid memory of Happy Meals. I happy have, wheels? I have a few actually. Happy Wheels or Happy Meals? You said meals. I said meals. You're jumping the gun here on the McDonald's. Oh, see, it was it's on the subliminal. brain. Subliminal. It's on the brain. I meant Happy Wheels. It's when <laughs> all you have to say is basically like couples skate only yes this and is a couples like only skate spandau ballet or something <laughs> and i immediately i can picture Enya. myself trottling on walking in skates on the carpet 
over to the Mike Tyson's punch out machine. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was the next 20 minutes for me. Listen, you you weren't alone. You and I both spent the couples only skate. We alone. could have done some couples punch out together. We could have. You know? I, and I still couldn't shoot the ducky, even when I tried to do the shoot no. the ducky thing. I couldn't do it. But I was and I was like, oh, it's funny that you know that roller rinks haven't had the same renaissance as bowling. But then I was like, oh, there's a lot more potential for disaster when you mix alcohol with roller skating. Yeah. Rather than bowling. I did manage to very badly injure myself bowling once. I was in college. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I throw my back playing skee ball one time. Yeah. Oh, that does make me feel better. Yeah, it should. Yeah, I thought it was a great idea. I was in college. I wasn't exercising a lot. I thought it was a great idea to just take the like a 12-pound ball and just swing it around vigorously. Absolutely. And I felt something snap, and I was like, well, it doesn't hurt now. You were swinging the bowling ball around. Yeah, like, I could. I could barely get up the next morning. Like how? Like what were you swinging? Uh, uh, arm extended. Swinging arcs around and like front you were of me. shot putting, as if I was shot putting, yeah, or discus. Did you know that I used to shot put? discus? I did too. You and me, we have. I was a thrower. We have a shot putter's physique. I was a thrower, not a shower. A thrower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually. You know what sucked about? I so sorry. I jumped on you there. But no, please. I played Mr. soccer. Thrower. I was what they call a cherry picker. Uh -huh. um, so I was a, a defense, but I just didn't move until the ball came at me. Um, they call that a cherry picker? I thought that was just lazy. Somebody called me that once, and oh. I thought I was like, that's a No, great... no, it's not a cherry picker. You're a sandbagger. I'm a sandbagger. Sandbagger. Yeah. Yep. So I'm a cherry bagger. And, cherry uh, bagger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't run a lot. I was, right. I've always been a big kid or a guy. Or husky. Man. You're a husky, husky. guy. We're husky I, I definitely was in the husky department. Yep. And somebody said, oh, you should do track and field to stay in shape between seasons. I was like, sounds great. What was They're your like, summer sport or your spring sport? baseball or fair question there was no one so, so you didn't actually have anything in between to stay in shape for i had to stay in shape for my soccer beach, my beach next, bod your beach bod okay. yeah my beach bod All right flat tops and yeah wearing obviously. a white t-shirt in the water muscle yeah. beach yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they they sort of promised like you sit on a blanket you hang out with all the girls you eat cheese it's you drink gatorade and then you get up when it's time to throw something. So <laughs> I go to the I never had that many Cheez-Its uh, in indoor track. And maybe it was a thing in Winthrop High. Um, maybe. But so I show up to my first day of track and field practice. And the coach, who's never run a day in his life, is like, all right, let's do some wind sprints, guys. Yeah, wind sprints are a barrel of laughs. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait. No, I'm a thrower. I'm, is this the wrong group? And he's like, start running, Wilkinson. <laughs> I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, you'd think. Well, Turns like, out you still have to run, even if you're just throwing stuff. Yeah, football practice. I was a lineman, and you think yeah. that they would run less, but you actually run just as much, and it's much worse practice. Yeah. I made it through one preseason of football, and I quit. It, football was was absolutely brutal. I loved the games were really fun because they were such a big production. Yeah. But football practice, oh, my God. I used to, I used to go on acid sometimes, which was fun. Um, Red eyes, full lungs. No, blood. Uh, it makes your uh, pupils dilate. It doesn't make your eyes red. Uh, oh, I got I got recruited uh, by Brandeis for shot put, which is oh, really funny. Nice. They were like, I got this letter randomly. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, all right, I guess we're going to go visit Brandeis. They like have me now. And we were driving down there and I got almost there. And I was like, you know, fuck it. Let's go to Newberry Street and go shopping. Uh, so we just went to Boston. I never went into the school i just blew him off <laughs> like i'm not going to fucking brandeis oh. <laughs> like we could have really... been having a shot a, a shot putters anonymous podcast yeah you could have i could we, this could have been a shot putting podcast there yeah. isn't one of that i mean at least that way i'd be unique in some way so 
Uh, anyway, yeah, so I, my, my shot putting career, it never really uh, took off. It's, uh, I but do. I did get recruited. You know what's funny? I came to the realization also the other day, I could have totally not graduated high school. My life wouldn't be any different. I yeah. my, I've never once in my life had to show my fucking high school diploma to anybody. And it blows my mind. It's like the money people spend on high school and God forbid college, which I didn't go to. It's like. I literally not once. I don't even know if I have or, or even possessed my high school diploma at any point. I have no idea. Yeah, here's I a, got I got it, <laughs> but I didn't get it. We just uh, uh, <clears throat> a piece of mail showed up at our house the other day. It was transcripts from my wife's college. She went to Parsons in New York, and it said yeah. like transcripts and records, whatever. Now at least Parsons is a very specialized school, right? Yeah. Um, so she's reading it, and and she looked suddenly dejected, and she was like, oh. I had a B plus A minus average. Oh man! I was like, "What the f- <laughs> fuck?" Yeah. They First just, of all, they ingrain you to be judge yourself based on you know. It's like, now the thing is, what is what's nuts to me is that like, it it very it, it in that second solidified. Nobody ever checked up on the fact that I had a never I had a degree or not. No. Never mind where it was from. Or what my fucking what they GPA call this or, fucking school? What my GPA was? Hi, can yeah. I talk to somebody about Sean Wilkinson? Yeah, he was a student there, allegedly. Like, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really ham it up, I'm sure they'll be suspicious. But Maybe. if you're just like a fucking graduate, I don't know. Yeah. What'd you study? Bunch of shit. Oh. Fucking all kinds of stuff. Crimson. End yeah. zones. End friend zones. zones. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> fucking sandbagging. I majored in sandbagging. What's up with you? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah nobody really no. like I, I always see those job this postings hot. when they're like requirement you know four-year ba and i'm like do they really give a shit if, if they had like the perfect candidate this is my hot tip for applicants to might and maine to my company don't go to college <laughs> don't go to college just, <laughs> just, be come, a, just, work, be a, just come be an apprentice and that way you aren't paying even if you're working for free you're not paying to learn well you have to be a good designer though well, but, if you're not a good designer, don't go to Mike Maine. Go to one right. of those other, you know. Yeah, let me start hipster, naming them. Go deal with those hipster doofuses as go you would. Go deal with those hipster doofuses. I'm talking about. Yeah, it's interesting. And certain, I mean, my, uh, high school mattered if you wanted to go to college. Because that did, like, you got more money if you had a better GPA. Right. You, got, you know. Because they used to make it seem like if you didn't go to college, like, you were going to be living in a ditch somewhere god forbid failure. if you didn't finish high school yeah if you went to vogue or got your ged right. or something like you were just you were just gonna be an auto mechanic and that's your only career choice sounds pretty good i put a lot of money in auto mechanic <laughs> right i know exactly <laughs> it's just amazing you know it's like even the base level stuff i mean trust me i'm glad i went to high school yeah uh i don't think i need to go to private school i went to private school i don't think that was necessary you get a little extra touching there well as guess especially given that the the priest that my senior yearbook was dedicated to uh was one of the primary priests featured in the movie spotlight father I remember. talbot i remember yeah, yeah. now he's that's my senior yearbooks dedicated to him yeah. so i learned i didn't i guess that's you know he never wanted to touch me again couples only skate I was alone. <laughs> Nobody Fucking ever was. played Donkey Kong. I ended up in the friend zone with the priests and not the yeah. end zone. You know, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> and here I am today. And I wonder why I relapse. Um, I think it's funny that on this on this show, I, I talk about, well, sometimes, I mean, I am I am sober for periods of time. And I'm, I'm never shy about what I'm doing either way. I appreciate that about you. I don't love to, I don't try to showboat or be self-righteous about, 
whether I'm drinking or not drinking, because those people are the absolute worst right. people who can't wait to tell you about. And that's why I can't honestly do, you know, AA or any of that kind of stuff or CrossFit <clears throat> or CrossFit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, dude, yeah, I'm a freaking drunk. And uh, I, I, that's the whole point of being a drunk is you you can't you know, sometimes you fall off the wagon and you find yourself drinking again. Uh, and that's just the way it goes. And I'm like, um, you've seen the movie The Trip to Italy, uh, Steve yes. Coogan and Rob yeah. Ryden. Yeah. So they have three movies. They have The Trip, Trip to Italy and Trip to Spain. So in The Trip. I've only seen The Trip. Okay. So in The Trip, they're they're both drinking. Yeah. Uh, in The Trip to Italy, Steve Coogan starts out on the wagon. And then like half an hour in, you see him just go, fuck it. And he's <laughs> he's got a glass of white wine going. And then it just goes from there. And then the trip to Spain, he actually doesn't drink. He's completely on the wagon. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting progression, I think, there. Now, uh, in regard to this, like I said, I think the only reason I talk about it, because certainly not because I like the sound of my own voice, but I feel like it's good for other people who are the same way to know that, you know, totally, you're not fucked up. You're just like everybody else. Now, you and I both have experience I had experience. I believe you still experienced the drug uh, naltrexone, yep. uh, which is an uh, opiate uh, opioid blocker, right? That'd be is it? Yeah, it, it, they technically call it. It's not an opioid blocker. It's a um, not endorphin. It's endorphin blocker. Okay, yeah, endorphin yeah, yeah, blocker. yeah, yeah. And how it works is there's actually an interesting uh, interesting documentary about it, but that's not. It's usually prescribed to people just to take flat out every day. Yeah. Uh, to reduce your desire to use substances. But it seems like people who talk about doing it that way seem to also have their level of enthusiasm for just life in general yeah. seems to go away. Yeah. So there's this thing that Sean had turned me on to called the Sinclair method. Yep. And that's what you did or what you do. Yeah, that's what I do. And it actually turned my life around like crazy. And I know that. I, so, you know, it's, I think you and I, again, have something in common where we've made a name for ourselves in this small town and people know who we are and they see us out and they're like, oh, here comes party time. And like, <laughs> look at him party. <laughs> here we go. Here he goes. Joe Riccio always <laughs> um, partying. And, uh, you know, I, as time progressed and I, you know, like, you know, married a lady I wanted to keep around for a while, had a kid I wanted to like not, you know, <laughs> not die fun. in front of. Yeah. Um, I realized shit had to change. So I started doing something called the Sinclair method. And for me, it's been a real success. And it, it is based around this medication called naltrexone, which is an opioid. No, no it's a uh, uh, endorphin, endorphin blocker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you don't take it every day. You take it like an hour before you have a drink. Yeah. And it keeps you basically from binging. So it's it basically changed my life from, hey, here comes fun guy. We know he's going to have 17 drinks. Mm-hmm. And we'll see him a week from now with a, a bad story to like, oh, here comes Sean. He'll have a couple drinks. He'll have fun. And then he'll drive home responsibly and, and, be and show up at work on time in the morning and have a good time. So it's yeah, it's been a game changer for me. It's weird. I mean, I, as far as when people are like, what's that like? Yeah. Like I can tell you. So I had I had success with this for about a month. And the reason that I didn't anymore is because that 
unlike Sean, I started to assume that if I started to associate like taking a pill with like, I'm not going to have a good time. Yeah. And because uh, I'm like, well, I want to I might want to have 17. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to leave the door open there. You know? <laughs> yeah. I might want to. So I don't, don't want to have to convince myself. Yeah, I don't want to number yeah, 18. I don't want to pop the fun police into my mouth here. So. <laughs> Um, but it was so weird. So, but while it was, uh, while I was sort of experimenting with it and it was working, the only way I could explain it was the first night I tried it. Um, and what you're essentially doing is you're, you're training your brain. It's, it's, it's by blocking these receptors because subconsciously your brain has already, you know, made decisions for you yeah. concerning what it thinks is good for you, which a lot of times is a glass of wine. Um, so it seeks to sort of retrain, uh, your brain, if you will. And, what I found is so the first thing I did it, I got a six pack of Sierra Nevada, which is nothing. I was like six pack just in case. Yep. And I did the whole thing where I, I, I took a pill and then I had a drink an hour later. Yeah. And then I had another beer and I literally woke up. Like I, I dumped the, <laughs> I dumped that half a beer out. Yeah. Like I honestly, like I forgot that I was even drinking. It was that's, weird. And it was almost like when I would drink, it would be like, Drinking five bottles of wine would be would feel more like the equivalent of drinking like five seven fifties of like grape juice, yeah. <laughs> which isn't yeah, a pleasant yeah. feeling if you're not getting the euphoric effects exactly. of it, but you're just kind of getting ill. Exactly. Uh, so it was really interesting in that way, and it was like I said, it was my own uh, devices that made it not work. Yeah. Uh, I think that it should definitely be prescribed more often and more widespread for it's people. It's insane. I mean, I you know I. I started drinking. I was actually like a, a squeaky clean high school student. Um, I didn't smoke weed. I didn't drink. It wasn't until I was like 18, um, senior year of high school. And man, I hit that Bud Light. Mm. Oh, the Bud Light was what? <laughs> there you that go. was it. I mean, it was like <laughs> Bud Light and whatever booze we could steal from, uh, you know, the the owner of the lo- local car dealership's house um that oh. we hung out with his son it was like oh yeah, yeah here's some doers <laughs> you know <laughs> whatever is in the liquor i think cabinet. i first got really drunk on like half a half a bottle of doers oh god it's i still can't drink that stuff but college you know whatever it's it goes up and down like it's anybody's story and but after a while you start building this habit and you know it's two things you got to break the habit and then you got to break the the association with with like escape and that's the thing that the pill does. You take the pill and suddenly you take a drink and it doesn't feel like an escape. It doesn't feel like a moment of joy. It's just like I'm getting kind of buzzed. It gives you and almost like a leg up on the cognitive behavioral. Yeah. Therapy. So what's cool is that like I've always enjoyed a really good glass of wine. I've always enjoyed a great cocktail. I've always enjoyed delicious beer. Now I get to enjoy the taste and still do it and not have the stigma of like a I'm not drinking, you know, like, but it doesn't lead to 18 more drinks. Um, so for me, it worked out perfectly. It's, it's not a perfect solution for everybody, but for us, and it's probably not even always perfect for you, but it's like, no, I still have 99% of fuck ups, but now that's now I'm like a normal person, not like a binge drinker. I think that's a really good way to put it. You're like a normal person. Yeah. Cause that's what a lot of us tend to look at other people yeah. Like, oh, they, they drink like a normal person. And that's, yeah. And not but, that, that that sounds desirable to me <laughs> at all. Cause I'm like, people are like, well, yeah, hopefully saying, someday do you think you'd want to just be able to have one or two drinks? And I'm like, never, ever would I want one or two <laughs> drinks ever, ever. Because it's, I'm like, I would literally 
rather not drink. I remember you saying was actually a, a funny comment about like, you know, you end up like a breaking up with a girl and she has to like come to terms with drinking like a normal person again. Like, I can't drink that fancy wine and I can't have three bottles of it. Like, yeah, it's there's not <laughs> yeah. an unlimited supply of it yeah, right. all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and then they're like, wow, I'm so much happier. <laughs> so I'm such a happy person that I'm going to get married and have kids with the next person I date. <laughs> Will you be the godfather? Yeah. And I've um, been to the weddings, you know, it's, <laughs> it's good enough for me. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating thing. It's, it, it's weird that like every once in a while I'll notice that like I, what was I was eating something the other day, a food that usually like practically gives me a food boner. And I ate a bite of it the other day and I was like, Ooh, I don't feel weird at all. And I was like, oh, it's the naltrexone. Oh, I took it. I took that. Oh, yeah. It's I took that yeah, that's, blocker a couple hours ago. That's and, a funny yeah. effect. It's like an unintended. Yeah. But I mean, Which is why you don't take it every day. Right. Because you don't. There's lots of things that you want good endorphins from, like working out at the gym, petting yeah. a dog, having sex, like, you yeah. know, all these. There's Basic a lot of things that get pleasures. good endorphins. Yeah. You don't want to block those. Right. So that's why the Sinclair method makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it takes work and it, anything. I mean, there is no silver bullet. I think no. that's the most important thing to realize for anybody, for anything is Americans tend to want a silver bullet for all of their oh, they problems. Want the, if you want to sell something to yeah. somebody, tell them it's effortless and it's huge results in a short period of time I will, and they will believe it. And I will, I will come completely clean and say that in the first six months that I tried that method, I thought it was like, Oh, this is the easy way. And so I'll just yeah. take this pill and I didn't change any of my behaviors and it was a nightmare. I'm yeah. like there and I would like to apologize. I'm not going to name the time frame, <laughs> yeah. but anybody I interacted with in that 6 months, well, that was dark Sean. One thing that you told me about and that I found out the hard way is when you have been taking naltrexone for a while, when you stop, that next time you get really drunk is a friggin' doozy. Oh yeah. Like you're because yeah, it's almost like all of those things because your brain is fairly smart. So it'll like as you're blocking all these receptors, it's creating more. Yeah. And so when you stop blocking and now you have all these receptors and so you start drinking and you're like, you think that sounds great. But it was like really bad things. Happened your brain to knows that it's been standing in line at Space Mountain for like yeah. six months and it just got in and it's the only person on the ride. Yeah, and it like it gets naked and jumps in and lubes up and gets ready to go and <laughs> just goes for it. And that's on. That's and it. That's why I have not stopped taking it. And on that note, <laughs> let's talk about our sponsors. If you're a regular listener to the show, you are you probably used to me leading off this segment talking about delicious, pure spring water. Uh, and you know what? I'm still enjoying that, but I'm also having a nice glass of Larceny bourbon. It's delightful. Sean also is enjoying, you know, just a couple guys like gentlemen having a drink or two. The Larceny is delicious. It's uh, so John E. Fitzgerald. Uh, that's who this, this whiskey is, is named for. Um, according to the, the back of the bottle, uh, I love this. Johnny Fitzgerald's weakness was fine bourbon, and he faced <laughs> temptation every day. Wow. As a treasury agent with the only set of keys to the Rick houses, now that's where they used to age the bourbon, the warehouse is probably still what they, they do. Taking from barrels was easy for him, so he could steal whiskey every day, but he didn't just steal any whiskey. This is the whiskey, apparently. Like, this is the barrel that he knew about that he was all over. 
That's a great story. Some say he was a thief. Others claim he was a man of great taste. This is the legend of larceny. I mean, you know, that's, you know. At the end of the day, it's a, it's actually a, what it is, is a very affordably priced, uh, coming under $30, 92 proof small batch bourbon. It's 92 proof, but it does, it, it is really smooth. And I, there is a distinct like char to it that I taste. There's a weed, a wheat mash and not in a, a rye. nice way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's so it's weedy and sweet, but it's it's got that nice char, like a sharpness to it. It is really nice. I've never had this before. Um, I appreciate it. I'm always kind of uh, weary of labels that, you know, with any kind of fun names, you know, because yeah. especially you see more like wine, you know, things like 19 crimes. Oh, weird wines. But in this case, I mean, you know, that's it's it's you got to stand up somehow on the bourbon shelf you know i like that story i don't know if i believe it but i like that story <laughs> yeah i'm like I, I, my favorite part of that story is he was tempted every day <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you are right. drinking and you're alcoholic you work in a liquor factory <laughs> <laughs> the women's prison next door or the rick room <laughs> he chose the rick room there he got rick rolled he got Rick. He rolled. got Rick rolled every day. Johnny Fitzgerald, and then he had Larceny Dick. Not to be confused with John Fitzgerald Kennedy. No, of course not. No, he just he didn't have to steal. He just you know he had. I'm sure he had a decent stash. He got everything he needed. He he was well taken care of. Yes. Now, for the mornings after, uh, if you've also been listening, <laughs> you you'll know that our other favorite sponsor is Speckled Axe Coffee, uh, their uh, flagship. Shop, and you call it a flagship. It's kind of small. You picture a flagship, yeah. but you know it's the one. The uh, only... They're on Congress Street in Portland. Uh, their coffees are funky and delicious, uh, very nuanced. Uh, if you want to fend out for yourself, you can go to speckledaxe.com. Uh, any orders of thirty dollars or more uh, get thirty percent off if you type in the promo code Shaheen Loves IPA. Uh, that's S H A H I N. L O V E S I P A. Why don't you? Why don't you do love. his last name? Loves IPA. <laughs> That's that would have been better. Can I you think spell to that? go. I, we had a little thing. We went around <laughs> with that. Um, I just saw him in the street the other day and gave him a little hello. Yeah, he's he's delightful, I and, and I don't think that he necessarily loves IPA, but I think that uh, that's that's why it's the more you use the code, the better, uh, and plus you get the. Uh, you get to enjoy some speckled eggs coffee at home. So if you put in Shaheen loves milk, you can pay an extra two bucks. You know, I used to be in sales once. <laughs> it's a tough racket. <laughs> and we are back with episode 12 of the Fukuma podcast with Sean Wilkinson, the bes- bespoke brand smitherist himself. <laughs> The Alan Arkin of branding. The Alan Arkin of branding. You know, it's the problem is you listened. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, it's funny. Usually Sean and I like to bitch about all the annoying, um, I guess you could say news in the world of food. Um, <laughs> like he was like, yeah, there's a, he pointed out a headline to me that, you know, there's, he's like, it's a, it's a speakeasy that's having a grand opening. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you mean the hole to get inside is really impressive? It's a it's a secret, but they're having a grand opening party, and it's this Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> that's I was just like that. That kind of well, in a also, nutshell represents what's yeah. going on. I would like to say that I 
I don't think that's the norm in Portland, which I think is great. I feel like we're still sort of skating but along. But that place this, is like, in Portland, though. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yes, this pizza place <laughs> is. Yes, it is. But also in many places. Yes, because everybody wants to go to a speakeasy at a. a you know, people, what? what the fuck is a speakeasy? Like, do they even know what that is? It's and I, this is. I know. I also know this is a tired subject. People are like. Oh, it's not a speakeasy because it's not, you know. It, well, this like, is like, I think I was talking about, I don't know if it was with, I think it was with Shaheen. I was talking about dive bars. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, is it divey enough? Right. And it's like, when do people start using that term? Like, do you like um, State Park in Boston? You know that place in Cambridge? No. You don't know it or you don't like it? I don't know it. It looks like your uncle's basement. Yeah. Um, well, and, that's how Easy Street in Hollowell is. But it's in Sorry. a brand new <clears throat> Construction. Oh, so it was made to look like that. Yes, it has a screen fucking door on a eighteen million dollar building. Do you like it? I love it. Okay, they did a great job. It it feels totally natural. They have great cocktails. They have really good food. But it does, and you know, there's like a low and brow sign, and there's like a you know a, a weird like bush beer waterfall thing, and some Clydesdales in the corner, and okay. wood paneling, and they went with all the tropes, hmm. but. They it's kind of word. back it good up word, with, by the way, trope. I like trope. trope. Yeah. And, and, but they back it up with the right kind of service. It's not too fussy. It's not too, it's not Epcot Center fake. It's right. You know, it's, they're having fun with it. Like, can um, you, could you get beat up there? No. Well, then I, I don't know if they, hit unless, the unless you talk about like the wrong Charizard. It's fucking, not like yeah. Roadhouse. No. No. I don't know. That's hard. Um, That's start. I think that might be a difference of opinion for us. That's hard for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun it, it's created its own scene it has it, I, I really like that place my i guess the you know when somebody tries to go way outside of their their genre and say like now we're a speakeasy like Ugh. you know like there was it's a like when um, espos was a martini bar that was yeah. a burger king <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah when like uh, the commonwealth in boston tried to put in a speakeasy. The Hotel Commonwealth? The Hotel Commonwealth. You mean the Hawthorne? They put in a Hawthorne. And they said, where's that's the speakeasy? That's not a speakeasy. And that's I, well, a high-end cocktail bar. I know, but they called it a speakeasy. And I said, where's where's the speakeasy? The first who time doesn't I, know about this? Well, the first time I went there, I was yeah. like, I heard there's a speakeasy here. And they're like, yeah, there's this During sign. Prohibition, do you think those places had websites? No, of course not. But come on. <laughs> that's, God damn it. Don't troll me like that. <laughs> Do you think they had um, branding, hired branding people, the speakeasies <laughs> of your uh, Al Capone um, probably had a great branding company. Probably. Yeah. I mean, he kind of he he sort of stood the test of time pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there's still basically I, I, I would I would be hard pressed to find a speakeasy that didn't have a, a, a portrait of him somewhere. Although I will say, see, to me, well, speakeasy is a stupid term. It is a stupid term because it doesn't mean anything in, in have you, context. Yeah. Because the whole point of it was like a secret bar when alcohol was legal. Right. So like a speakeasy would be like an opium den. Like someplace you go and do drugs and you can do illicit shit. Right. You know. Like I'll I'll use first initials here. Did you ever go to our friend N's place when he had like a, a legit speakeasy oh, uh, on State Street? Yeah. And that was that was a speakeasy. That was a speakeasy. I mean, and actually it was because he could have gotten in trouble. If you didn't know, yeah. you didn't know. Right. You, it was literally. And if you're gonna go there, definitely don't be an asshole. Yeah, you're not completely coming back. unmarked. And yeah, I guess bartended there a couple times. It was super fun. Really? Yeah, that is literally the only legitimate speakeasy that has 
hit Portland as far as my. And it's funny because his actual bar has that same feel to it. He really, I love his like clarity of vision. Like he really knew what he wanted and he created exactly that. Are we allowed to say who he is now? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think if if you go, I think you would you would know. It's Espos Trattoria. I like, I like leaving Espos him. I like Trattoria. the mystique of N. I like that. <laughs> um, but to me, like a that style of bar. Yes. When I lived in Chicago, I used to go to the Green Mill a lot, which was on. It was like kind of in a ghetto part of town, but it was like a, a bar where Al Capone did yep. used to go drink a lot. And there's a photo of him on the piano. It's like Al Capone used to drink here often. And it had that it was like you no know, dark and kind of seedy, but also you know at this point kind of well known. So yeah, John Cusack is drinking at it in High Fidelity when he meets uh, Joan in the first. The oh first yeah. Part. yeah, yeah, yeah. She shows up to meet him. Um, that's I love a that movie. Green Mill. Yeah, oh, I was living in Chicago when I first saw that movie, and he lived in the neighborhood I used to live in, and then Bucktown, where his record store was, yeah. was definitely. It was just getting really expensive yep. when I got there. It was like 1998, 1999. We just opened a restaurant in Chicago. Which restaurant did you open in Chicago? It's really weird. Uh, it's a great restaurant. It's a really weird location. It's on the 18th floor of a, uh, a medical building in Northwestern, a Northwestern Medical Building. It used to be a Danny Meyer spot. It was uh, it's the, down like right. On, uh, where is it? It's uh, 18th and uh, blur this part out. Blah, 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 blah. It's like South Loop or something. I mean, if it's, I don't remember where it is. Uh, it's on, it's yeah. on the. I'm so obviously I don't know the city at all. Right. Anyway, Danny Meyer yeah. and the dudes from Dead Rabbit. Yeah. Had opened a place up there. Oh, cool. And it went okay for a year or so. Then they closed down. And then we've been working with this hospitality group out of New York City, and they opened a place there. And it's it's it seems to be doing well so far. It's been open for a month. Um, anyway, I love Chicago. It's a cool city. Like we did a little work with Jim Beam out there, and then I haven't been back until recently to do this thing. But it's a cool city. I, we, I did we love not high have, fidelity. <laughs> I did not have anything like the experience that you had in Chicago. Oh well, yeah, but, uh, a good, but if you know, I've seen photos of you from that era. I look. I didn't know you. I look so good. <laughs> felt as yeah i mean that's what that's and what i had this kind of routine where I, would, high. I would do coke every night and i wake up every day and i take like four hydroxy cuts and go work out mm. and then go to work and i think i lived on like i have like a shrimp cocktail at work yeah and that was all i ate and i actually for the first time ever so i got you're a keto i got those fucking v's you know the things that the, that the kids yeah. that the, the skinny kids are getting there you uh, a thigh gap the th- yeah well, not, not a thigh gap it's like the yeah, you know what the, I'm talking about. Yeah, the the, the you're, you're cut. I was cut. I was yeah. getting cut. Yep. Hydroxy cut. <laughs> and then one day I was like, I literally feel like my heart is actually going to explode, and I'm only 21. Uh, but you know, Ugh. yeah, I think I I had lost like 80 pounds in like three months or something. It was nice. ridiculous, but it was awesome. I had a great time, dude. Write a book, and it took me, you know, it took me a good 10 years to put all that weight back on. So I was fine. Um, I. <laughs> Ah, Chicago. It was funny. I was going to go on Eater. I was going to go on Eater to find something to annoy you because I know we both find things annoying on Eater. But then I, the first thing I saw was this headline that said David Chang like opens up about his depression, and I just closed the site down. Like fuck this guy. Like (laughs) nobody wants to hear. That must be really hard for him to be. It must be very difficult. Yeah, he's like you know this one time I just. 
I opened a packet of ramen and there wasn't a flavor packet yeah. in there. I got depressed. I accidentally over sous vide an egg. But yeah, I I was one time I was like at my house. I was like Scrooge McDuck, like swimming in my thing of gold coins, and I hit like it got like really shallow and I just got bummed out. You know, man. There was this one time I had a, a medium deep dish. Domino's pizza, like oh yeah. mushrooms, and I wasn't hanging out with eight celebrities. It was the worst. It was the worst, and yeah. nobody was filming me. And I, and you guys it, totally missed it. Oh, yeah, it sucked. Yeah, I, one time I said something really funny, and like nobody caught it on camera. Ugh. I was like, "Oh, bro, sucks. sucks, bro. I'm depressed, man. <laughs> Fucking depressed. I've been bummed out lately." You I know? do like that guy, but yeah, come on. I don't. I, I mean, you know what? I'm over him. I know. I mean, well, I if I you like, like him, I don't know that. Guy. One thing I know you do hate is the use of innuendo when it comes to food <laughs> and restaurants. And I yeah. think that the the king of this it already happened in Portland. It was uh, 2009 and 10. Um, it was a restaurant called Flirts oh. that was out on Forest Avenue. Where the, the, it was called Flirts, and their tagline was "Entice your appetite." <laughs> and uh, it lasted about a month and a half, but yeah, innuendo and it's just they called appetizers pre-cum. Did they? Yeah. Did they really? Or because I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't actually be surprised. Yeah. Actually, I bet they called them appetizers. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you hate you, we we had, you and I had talked one time about about food about branding and marketing for like I Man, think I was so, like, yeah. Dispatch. Some place came to talk to us and and they said they they were opening a place called like it was like the 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 gilded nut snack company. And I was like, I know that you're saying the gilded nut snack because you want people to think nut sack. And why do you want people to think that? Yeah, it's just not something you want that's to put. A, that's a. I'm sorry, but that's a dumb idea. And we, yeah, and and I, I am comfortable saying, I guess. Uh, yeah, we were working with a, a company, we, a restaurant. We had done their branding. We were not doing their PR, or or social media or whatever. And they they had put out a. A post on like you know like oh let's let's do Taco Tuesdays hey everybody Taco Tuesdays hey, because hey. nobody's showing up um, <laughs> and they said and they put out a social media post after like three days of silence that said who wants some fucking tacos and it was two tacos fucking each other that I was like why sure it's an easy <sighs> laugh it's an easy laugh no it's not it's it's not a laugh at all it's a sigh and a and a wince yeah or or saying like I definitely want the four play the four play ooh. I definitely want the four play crowd to come right over as soon as they're done yeah. who wants dosing all the drinks fucking tacos yeah. who wants some fucking tacos zero people want that nobody wants that I worked at a restaurant one time called Oolong that was it's where yeah. uh, that's uh, where I met uh, John uh, Myers John Myers yeah. yeah I worked with John Myers there. Yeah. And they had these radio RIP. ads. That I'm just kidding. He's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, actually, he just got back from Dubai. He's doing great. Yeah. Um, they had this radio ad that was, it was, it was this woman. She was going, she was, ooh, long. <laughs> and I was like, when was the last time you heard her say, ooh, no. Long. Oh, my no. God. It was so brutal. Are you serious? Oh, my God. You're just like. I mean, granted, the radio, radio audiences in general are. <sighs> Even for the radio audience, I was like, this oh. is like, this is intense brutality. Ooh. Like, yeah. Is that yeah. like a, a spacer on the Rush Limbaugh? Show? I, I think it was <laughs> open for another week. Good. I think that yeah. was the death rattle. Yeah. <laughs> was that, that radio ad? They lasted longer than spread. 
Oh, spread all you can eat. See, another one, it's yeah. like, you know? Don't call it spread. Don't call things... Don't call your restaurant a funny name. Just think don't about it. Don't make me get... Don't... I shouldn't have to wonder what your business is. I remember when... I can, I can say this now because they're well closed. You can c- talk about people that are well open if you want. Uh, I don't give a shit. I know. It's a small town now. But, um... Slancha. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? I used to do comedy at Slancha, which we'll talk about. In yeah, a I went. I used to go to comedy shows at Slancha. I used to write all Dude, I used it. to kill it at Slancha. I used to write... There was one dude who used to perform. I used to write his jokes. Who? Quietly. I, we'll talk about it later. Okay. But, uh... I remember when that place opened and everybody was like, oh, are you going to Slaint tonight? Oh, boy. Are you going to Slaint? And it's because they didn't have the benefit of standing in front of their window, which had their name, Slancha, Slaint, E, and then the pronunciation guide underneath. Oh, right. Slancha. And I was like, if you have to open a business with a pronunciation guide, yeah. perhaps you should yeah. think about a different name. Like, I don't think that you really need to worry about, yeah, it's like, this should be the last thing in your mind is how people are pronouncing the name of your business. And if they don't know, there's what always an exception means. to the rule, but like it's Portland, Maine in like what? 2004. Just call it like Prost or something. Yeah, Or, 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 or change or, your, or just don't even have any, just have hieroglyphics or with pictures yeah. for people to sound out. Not Meritage anymore. <laughs> Meritage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, really bringing it back. Meritage wine bar, which actually was a good wine bar. It was a great wine bar. That was the play. That was the first place. God damn it. That was the first place that I had a glass of wine and I was like, oh, I I totally get it. And Allie was behind a bar. I felt way out of place. Like I was not dressed to be in a wine bar. I didn't feel like I was supposed to be in a wine bar. I was like a beer and shot guy. And she was like, she made me feel totally comfortable. And she was like, what do you like for flavors? I was like, I like whiskey. I like whatever. I like, you know. I like licking moss out from under rocks. <laughs> I like lichen. <laughs> yeah. I love reindeer lichen. <laughs> reindeer lichen. That's the that's really the only varietal of lichen that I prefer. Yeah, I that's, that's what I forage exclusively. Oh, that's it's uh, not lichen. You should make sure you put L I K E dash yeah. N under Yeah, like lichen. I'm liking this social media. <laughs> I'm post. liking this reindeer lichen. Yeah, I'm liking this lichen. <laughs> um, but she brought me uh, like she brought me this funky coat de run and I was like oh man i get it i love it like and and we had a great conversation and then yeah that was a regular spot for me for a while then they closed i mean that's so. what happens to good bars it was close yeah maza was another good one yeah i was on market street yeah. uh great wine bar and uh i don't know what happens people just they don't i think that people forget that most most of the general population loves mediocrity like yeah. the most mediocre safe restaurants are the ones that are going to make it and the worst thing is when you see somebody who is like really trying hard to be mediocre and safe, but they can't even really do that right. But they're just trying to like, like, yeah, we got something for everybody. You know, we're going to be a successful place. We got the stuff for the soccer moms. We got the stuff for the, and they end up being such a confused, jumbled mess. Yeah. Right. And none of their food's good. Right. Uh, as far as stand up, you did stand up. I did. Yep. And were you Dusty Roads? Was that what you were? Um, Country Roads. Back in the day, when Christmas I, Roads, Christmas Roads, Christmas Kringles. What were you? Chris, Chris Kringles. Chris, were you Christmas Kringlesons? Um, ba- well, it's an interesting path. Gypsy of Road, Gypsy. No, but I. If you're really guessing, I want you to keep guessing. <laughs> Proceed. Um, but I'm serious. If you're really guessing, I want you to keep finding. I didn't get it yet. No. no. It's not Dusty Trail? No. <laughs> That's what I call my... Um, anyway. Yeah. Okay, so I'm done guessing. Yeah. 
Um, what was it? Country Roads. I said Country Roads. That's like the second thing I said. Fair this, enough. This recording proved my... <laughs> will vindicate me. Continue. I had, yeah, I had a funny path to comedy where like I... I found myself randomly on stage hosting a fucking bingo show at Free Street Taverna one night because the person who was supposed to be doing it wasn't there and I was a regular attendee. And so two attendees, like myself and my friend The Fuge, decided to hop up on stage and host the show that night. We're like, give us the stuff. We'll do it. We did it. This guy, Chicky Stoltz. I remember Chicky Stoltz. Great dude. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. That was another great restaurant, Chickie's, actually. I yeah. thought the food there was delicious. Not really. He's still alive, but yeah. But the food there um, was good in Westbrook. Oh, Chickie's was fucking it was amazing. Great, right? I ate there all. I used to work there when he was open there. Nice. Um, not at Chickie's, but I worked next door. I was there all the time. Yep. It was so good. Yeah, Chickie was a fucking legend, and he was hilarious. And we tried to make basically like, you know, some semblance of the hilarity that he had put together. And then we ended up hosting a comedy bingo show for like 10 years. That's how 10 is. years between Free Street Taverna and Gino's back and forth. A little bit at the White Heart here and there. Um, and occasionally like a special event somewhere. Yeah. And then I dropped comedy for years and years. And I saw Tim Farrell, our mutual friend, yep. hosting this um, comedy workshop to, to do stand up. And I was like, I've always wanted to do it. I know it's super fucking hard. Like, I, I definitely didn't come in with any kind of illusion of like, hey, I've been on stage. I yeah. know how to be funny. Like, and I and I think that I'm a funny person. I do. Like, I don't have illusions about thinking I'm not a funny person. Mm -hmm. But I know that writing jokes and crafting them to a perfect little nugget that will actually make Joe Rando and the crowd laugh. And there's 200 of them. Like, I know that's really fucking hard. Yeah. And so I went to go see, like, Tim Farrell to, like, get a little taste of, like, what that craft would be like. And it was it was super challenging and really fun. I took that workshop um, back in 2003. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was really wanting to <clears throat> break into the business. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's great. The workshop, they, they show you how to put together your first five minutes, which you should yeah. have your five minutes set. The workshop showed me that, yes, it, it is really hard. I think that I did a pretty good job putting a set together. I cannot imagine doing the work that it takes to get out there and just keep slogging and doing it. And it's doing a lot it of work and, and it's a lot of it. like, yeah, you have to, I could never, I always didn't, I didn't really like doing the same joke more than three times. Right. But at the same time, if you're going to be successful, you have to just polish, polish, totally. polish. Yeah. And be able to just have like, you have to have at least 20 minutes that just murder. Yeah. Every time, you know, at least. Yeah. And you have to be willing to do it as if you've never done it before. Yeah. Sell it. Deliver it Every like night. you've never done it before. <laughs> and yeah, it's stand up is really hard. It's really frazzling. I think that it's safe to say that doing stand up performances, I have had some of the absolute best feelings and highs of my life and some yeah. of the absolute worst lows. Because when it goes well, it's the fucking greatest, man. And mm -hmm. when it doesn't go well, it's the fucking worst. It's like. And, uh, and then I was funny because I was fairly successful in Portland at a certain point. It was like 2003, 4, 5, 6. Yeah. And that earned me. I started working in like Faneuil Hall at the Comedy Connection down there. But then I started, they, they started booking me at Kowloon and Saugus because those are yeah. comedy there. So you want to talk about brutality. I, I would host. <laughs> so I would, I, it'd be me and then a middle and then a headliner, right? So of course, I'm up there doing my bit while everybody's ordering their food, A. They don't 
like me at all. I remember because you'd have to go for a whole weekend. I'd have to do I'd have to do one show on Friday and then two shows on Saturday. And the pay was shit. Yeah. And it was like fucking PTSD because you're like But all the crab but, rangoon you could eat. No, it was you didn't want to eat. <laughs> just wanted to go home. <laughs> you're just like because like the first two shows I remember I did. I, I where I did like probably three or four weekends there total. Uh but the first time I did it. I remember like after the second show going terribly in a row, I was like, I can't fucking believe I have to sit here and then I have to go do this again in front of oh, like, yeah. and, but it was kind of amazing because the third time I went up and I was like, fuck it. Yeah. And I was like, these people are morons. They just want to hear the, they just want to hear fuck every other word. And yeah, yeah, I just yeah. kind of went for it and I didn't get like a great response, but they didn't hate me. Like the two, like the two previous shows, like they didn't, they, I got like some applause when I left stage. Um, I don't love Jerry Seinfeld as a stand-up comedian, but that, I love that that comedian though. They're going to talk about the documentary. Yeah, is great. Yes, that 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 documentary is great, and it's a good look inside that world. Absolutely. Um, I would like I love his series, the comedians and cars getting coffee. Absolutely, yeah. And the one where he sits with Trevor Noah, and he talks about Trevor Noah. Yeah, our friend uh, Carla got me into comedians uh, and cars. Actually, yeah. I, I was always kind of like I think I started watching it too early. And yeah. I was like, this is weirdly self-indulgent. I'm not that into it. Yeah. And then I got back into it later on. No, I have not seen the Trevor Noah one. The Trevor Noah one is great because Trevor, Trevor, you know, my buddy Trevor, first name, he talks <laughs> about his his work ethic was insane. Yeah. He would basically like he he tackled open mics like it was a full time job. You got to be hungry. Yeah. And he did it like all day, every day for so long until he got to the point where people were actually paying attention to him. Well, I and think I think that's he even like flummoxed Jerry. He was like, Jesus, man, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> He's just driven, you yeah. know, and well, Trevor Noah also had like you know, he started in South Africa. He wanted to like he's yeah. like, I'm going to get to where I'm going to be. I'm going to be the host of the fucking Daily Show. So um, I don't think I have to explain that that is the opposite of my work ethic. It's <laughs> no. like well, I before, before you yeah. go, anywhere, I also want to point out that I think that I feel like Spose has that. Yeah. Going for him still. Yeah. Where he's just like. Every project, every, yep. every, he just, you know, the guy doesn't have any idle time and he has like four kids. Yeah. I don't get it. Anyway. Me either. Yeah. 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 I love that guy. I love his energy. Yeah. yeah. It's energy is amazing. Yeah. Even though he put Southwest sauce on his fucking tuna. What the I, fuck is wrong? With I you? know. I was like, dude, that that's why, that's what makes you an icon. Yeah. <laughs> makes you iconic and unforgettable. It's the Southwest sauce on the on the tuna salad. If that's what it takes, then I'll just be a <laughs> whatever it <yeah>. takes. <laughs> it's like any given Sunday, you know, which is I think one of the most underrated mm-hmm. football movies of all time. Uh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and Oliver Stone's take on what football should be. Yeah. And I like it's got it's got like some of the elements of the natural where it's like the made up teams and like the horribly ugly uniforms yep. of his made up teams. So I, 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 I never cared about football that much when I was growing up. So my version of that that I used to watch was Hoosiers. Oh, I was Gene way into Hackman. Hoosiers. Gene Hackman. Hoosiers was a great, great. Football. I wanted Gene Did you watch Hackman the natural to be my dad. No, but that was baseball. So not even yeah. relevant. I don't know why I just interrupted the Hoosiers. <laughs> yeah. But did you like the natural? <laughs> yes. Hoosiers. Yes, I'm basketball, sorry. Yes. But... Gene Hackman. Yeah. No, no, I actually love the, I, I do love uh, baseball now, but yeah, that's the one sport that I actually watch is baseball. Interesting. Yeah. I think baseball is boring unless it's playoff season. Or it's totally it's boring, series. but I love it because yeah. it's, it's like the, it's like the show that I hosted for 10 years. Bingo. It's fucking background. Yeah. It's just, it is great background. I enjoy watching it and I enjoy that I can check in and check out 
whether I'm in person or at Salvage Barbecue watching it. Yeah, that's like, true. You don't have to follow the action. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm not. No. I don't have to be. I don't have to have opera glasses fixed on the fucking but it'd be field amazing if time. you did. I did love playing baseball. I used to. I definitely. I used to yeah. be a pitcher. I was uh, incredibly intimidating, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I could throw really hard. <laughs> and then I realized when I tried to play baseball with a bunch of guys five years ago with Nick Schroeder and his friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, that pitching does not carry over with you that skill oh. into your late 30s. Dude. So, oh my God, my arm. I was like, I'll pitch. I'll pitch. I used to pitch. I remember like I walked five people in a row and my arm literally felt like it was made <laughs> of, of jelly. Like it hurt so bad I couldn't even lift it. Yeah, you need a Nolan Ryan yeah. barrel full of rice to hope. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I figured we'd start wrapping it up a little bit. And every show we generally discuss McDonald's at one point. And you kind of went into it earlier by accidentally saying Happy Meal uh, <laughs> when you were trying to say Happy Wheels. Um, but I stopped you because you had told me before you got here that you had a McDonald's story that involved a lot of blood. Yeah. And so I was like, let's finish with that. That sounds pretty cool. That, yeah, that sound, it, it was pretty cool slash terrifying. Um, and it wasn't my blood. It was my brother's blood. But like <laughs> we were, you know, we were, I got, I think this was, it was either Bangor or Augusta. I don't remember which one, but uh, me and my brother were kids and we were just tearing ass around the McDonald's play palace or whatever they yes. call it. Playland. Yeah. Yeah. Play. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think they have these <laughs> toys there anymore, but like the, there was like, the like mayor mccheese but it was a 15 foot terrifying <laughs> yeah, structure no, 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 no. right and you would like kind of jump up on it yeah yeah i remember mayor mccheese sure but then there was also one that had like a jail inside its burger yeah yeah, yeah. well that's yes i remember all of this I was that the mayor the or was that the police chief well, that, that might be little, different that's where they kept the hamburglar right yeah i think so i would think and then you could ride hamburglers and like, anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dangerous shit in that playground, I think. Super dangerous. So there's one, whichever one it was, I think it was Mayor McCheese or the police chief. You could crawl up inside, a little ladder inside. and, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, definitely. You, so you go in, you crawl Even up the ladder. Even fat kids like us could fit inside yes, Mayor McCheese. totally. You could crawl up and then look out the bars of the cheeseburger. <laughs> right. Um and it had this little like mouse hole shaped door, you know. I just and, remember uh, this story involves blood. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm playing on I'm I'm probably riding a fry guy or something a or whatever. Fry guy. And <laughs> my brother at the time was two. It's, I'm probably I don't know eight. My brother's probably six or five, yeah. and he's just running full speed at Mayor McCheese because <laughs> he wants to get up inside that dude. Yeah. Like we do. Like you uh, do. Yeah. And. <laughs> For some reason, they had put like a little lip on the outside of that mouse, that mouse, mouse hole shaped door. Yeah. Like a little lip that sticks out about half an inch. Oh, boy. And that happened to align exactly with my six year old brother's forehead. Oh, boy. And he just whacked into it so hard, it literally knocked him backwards. And I remember being a little, I must have been maybe a little older than eight, because I remember being like, ooh, that's not good. And he stands up and he seems fine. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And he's kind of laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and literally like moving his cheeks <laughs> opened the gash in his forehead. Oh, boy. Which started gushing blood all over his face like a fucking Aussie Osborne video. And, and he kept laughing. 
which is ter- I can I can picture this. Yeah, he you don't like, forget that. No, he was la- it was terrifying. He was laughing through the blood, and then he was like, "What's this liquid?" And he touched his face, and looked at his hand, and started screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and already somebody like with a little like paper hat and, yeah. a, and, a, and a microphone yeah. <laughs> had to come running at us and their maroon little vest or whatever yeah. and we were like what's <laughs> happening what's that like so like a, a mcdonald's employee is running out from inside and grabbed us like literally picked my brother up and, and my mother it was just my mother and she's freaking out she's crying it's very dramatic whatever well i mean uh- you know, your kid's covered in blood, yeah. screaming. <laughs> you know, so they whisk us. A little drama. They whisk us into the McDonald's basement. <clears throat> oh my god! And they're like, you know, they yeah, they put a cold compress on his head. They call an ambulance. They wow. do all this stuff. He's fine. They're very competent. Yes, totally. Get rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> get him off the scene. Yeah. Somebody's out there scrubbing blood. Yeah, um, but it was for me the big deal was. McDonald's has a basement. And Literally, I suddenly I mean, ever since you said basement, I'm like, what is it like a McDonald's basement? Yeah. I said it was like their break room. Like they had meeting rooms in there. They was like conference room. That was the moment where I realized that McDonald's was a business, <laughs> not like a fun time. Right. It wasn't when your brother was covered in blood screaming. It was when you were like, oh, they have a basement. Meeting oh, my rooms. God. Yeah. I mean, it was, so it was a horrifying, you know, very bloody moment. And we, and we got I got to ride in, a, in an ambulance but at the hospital. He got some stitches. He's yep. fine. Um, I mean, I can't say it didn't affect him because he did fail out of college but uh, <laughs> sorry mcdonald's you know yeah, blame he should be suing mary mccheese for this probably could at this this day and age but yeah well um, i think that this is the best mcdonald's story we've we've had on the it show. was that weird like i remember i know i was young like eight or nine but i was like there's a basement you know like yeah <laughs> there's more to this than just like walk up get a burger walk out like, see, I grew up with a fancy McDonald's in Freeport, which is in like a mansion. That's just and like I had a, a house party McDonald's there. It's, it's a mansion. It's not a house. Um, <laughs> it's a mansion. It's a mansion. Let's get that straight right from the beginning. It's a mansion, not a house. Uh, I had a birthday party there one time when I was five. They give it you was diamonds? awesome. Uh, all my friends got to hang out in one of the private rooms upstairs, and we got all the McDonald's we wanted to eat, and it was yeah. amazing. Uh, it was almost as cool as my birthday. I had the dream machine at the mall. There's an upstairs uh, there? At the one in Freeport? Yeah. Well, you'd know, but you wouldn't know because you think it's a house and oh. not a mansion. They have, we were in the antechamber, I think. Um, I grew up in Winthrop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the McDonald's in Winthrop. Oh, I had to drive to Augusta. And you guys had, a, had the one in Augusta that yeah. apparently lacerates children. They bring the bleeding children. I think that's a perfect place to, uh, <laughs> to wrap it up. I want to thank Sean Wilkinson. Thank you. Co-founder of Might and Maine, Intelligent Brand Smithery. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. Our new sponsor, Larceny Bourbon, huh? Delicious. 92 proof. It is delicious. Small batch bourbon for under $30. Uh, Do yourself a favor. Very mellow. Very easy to drink. And as you can see, Sean and I are just fine. Just like gentlemen. And lastly, uh, Speckled X Coffee. And you can go on their website if you'd like to get some of your own. uh, If you spend $30 or more. You put in the promo code Shaheen Loves IPA, which if you don't know how to spell it, go back to the middle of the episode, uh, and you get 30% off. 
get some delicious coffee. Those two yep. products together on a Saturday morning would be a very nice mix. That would be a nice mix. Something you could actually write a song about. A little bird dog, a little bird dog roast, a little ah. bit of uh, larceny. And you're on easy street with a pound of pure. I tell you what. Oh yeah, good to go. <laughs> and I'm Joe Riccio, Fukuma Podcast, Episode Twelve. Signing off.